Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, May 9th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we talk about the Artifact Conference, building static sites with Assemble.io, and gotchas with MSP. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. Stumbles to the niche couch. Yes. <laughs> One moment. I must evict the cat. Okay. My cat was raised by dogs. <laughs> so. He doesn't clean himself like a normal cat. Really? I mean, he does, but it's like ten times the volume. It's like super loud. It's <laughs> a really loud, like licking constantly. I just... I can't uh, stand it. <laughs> I don't know. Our dogs are brother and sister from like, yeah. they've been from day one. They lick each other's ears. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the grossest. <laughs> I've had them for 10 years. I'm still, I still yell at them like, stop it. Yeah. Please stop. At least it's ears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be worse. Yeah. And sometimes it is, but it's mostly just ears. Yeah. It's like Elvis. Every time our every time our older dog goes outside, like Elvis stands at the door impatiently waiting for her to come back in so he can sniff her ass. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, he gets so excited, <laughs> and he does it every time. It's a highlight of his day. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Dirty. I know. <laughs> oh my god. Dude, get your nose out of there. <laughs> that dog needs other things to look forward to. Yeah, he really does. Buy that thing a bone. <laughs> anyway, well, dear listener, you will know by the time you hear this that we were late posting this podcast because it is Friday morning. It is. I think both of us are running on very little sleep. Yeah, just it's deadlines and deadlines and deadlines. And... uh I traveled out to Austin, Texas this week to speak at Artifact Conference, and which was a total blast. I had such a good time every time I go to Austin, and this conference in particular was super cool. And uh, if you're in the Providence area in the fall, they are going uh, essentially have the uh, same program. There's one, uh, I think, one lineup change, but um, it should be great. It's uh, it's very much around the content right now is very much around designer workflow. And, um, I talked about, um, they did a workshop on, uh, cross platform perfection and what to do when clients insist on, on that spoiler alert, you talk them out of it <laughs> and you, you cry a little inside. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it was a funny talk to put together because it's kind of like, um, there's a little bit of dark side user agent sniffing stuff in it. And I actually have a Darth Vader slide. Nice. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, if you're into that kind of thing and you're struggling with uh, responsive web design workflow, dealing with the politics of that sort of thing, then uh, artifact conf is for you. Um, awesome. I may have to, I may have to come up to Rhode Island for that. That'd be fun. Yeah. Would be. It's really fun. The, the organizers are great. It's a blast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> that was, so that's, I think that's the main reason we're late. 
It's just plus, there's so many things going on. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever decide to like leave for a conference the week before a deadline again, <laughs> I'm gonna find someone at the conference and I'm gonna pay them money to punch you. Yeah, we really gotta get bitch slapper up. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 glad you glad you had a good time. It sounds like a good conference. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, that reminds me that the mm-hmm. um, the site we were talking about last week uh, is finally live. Yes. Yep. Timeinc.com. Yes. Uh, it was a same team as almost the same team as TechCrunch and Entertainment Weekly, with the addition of Kelly uh, and me just tacking on at the very end. Uh, and there's a different uh, uh, information architect. What was his name? Kevin. Kevin Hoffman. Kevin Hoffman. Yep. So Josh Clark, Brad Frost, Dan Mall, Kevin Hoffman, uh, and Kelly. Was it Dan? No, I don't think it was Dan Mall. Oh, did, he didn't do no, it. it. No, Melissa. Oh, Melissa, Melissa Frost. Did it. Yeah. Ah, oh, Brad's wife. Very nice. Melissa did the design. Did not realize that. Yes. That just shows you how far along the process I t- I tagged on. <laughs> yeah, I kind of kind of had a illness there toward the end, and you had to take over for me. Yep. Yep. So. Appreciate that very much. Oh, no problem. It was fun anyway. It's it's like good to know. Um, it's good to, to like sort of see get an inside look at at the the inner workings of at least the end of the process so you can go to i t- was afraid you'd kill me but now you know it's like I, I was talking to someone at the conference i was like i was like talking about doing code reviews for people and mm-hmm. that every every code review starts with 15 minutes of apologies yeah, <laughs> I'm re- I know there's a bunch of stuff I've been meaning to go clean up. Yeah, like, I know, I know. Don't worry about it. Like everyone but seriously, does. it's it's really bad in there. And <laughs> yeah, we all feel that way yeah. about everything. Yeah, the shame, the shame of not flawless code or whatever. But hey, it's working code, so exactly. Good stuff. That was my. That was my. Uh, um. My coffee script, my first coffee script plunge. Yes, because I did it all in coffee script, and then you, you had to take over. Yeah. That was I was kind of worried that you would kill me over that more than anything. <laughs> I was cursing you the night before last because ah. uh, not you, but the I was cursing the reason I don't like coffee script. I'm like, see, this is why I don't like coffee script because you cannot de- de- debugging <laughs> is impossible. Mm. It's great when you like you know. When you take away the ability to set breakpoints in the code that you're editing, you're dead. Like if it's anyway, like literally for two hours trying to find a simple bug and just couldn't find, you know, like oh, the, I'm the, I'm so sorry. It's 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 just the inherent problem with CoffeeScript, and like I I've had always said like about CoffeeScript, I'm like I'm not gonna use CoffeeScript until it runs natively in the browser, or at least can you know source map it so that. You know, it's just like you get this cryptic error in, of course, it was an IE8, Mm -hmm. cryptic error in IE8 that's like, you know, no semicolon on line, expected semicolon on line two. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Of the index, like of the HTML page. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, all right. It was like back to alert debugging days, like just throwing alerts in all over the place and. Anyway, that that is the problem with CoffeeScript. But I will say that I do love the way that it. I do. I have found that I do like the significant white space because it forces everyone mm-hmm. to be super anal about their indenting, which I love. Yes. Yes. 
and it, uh, uh, you know, it's a lot nicer to look at, that's for sure. But I just yeah, love I like that it, it outputs really, really optimized code, which is it great. Does. So you know your code doesn't have, I mean, it's a compiler. It's, it gives you errors in advance, compile time errors, which is nice. Um, cool. So that's why we're late, uh, primarily. And we are going to talk about today a couple of cool things. Maybe since we're started talking about the conference already. Just do it first. Yeah, start about that. Because I actually have a segue into okay. um, what you want to talk about. Okay. Um, so one of the, the, the talk we gave, I kind of want to give like a quick outline of the talk we gave because I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, and there are, are other places to hear it. Uh, other than even just artifact cuff in the fall, um, we did a case study on um, of the behind the scenes of Entertainment Weekly and uh, and uh, I almost said Time Inc. Tech Crunch and uh, talked a lot about there's you know Bre uh, Josh started off it was a panel Josh started off Josh Clark and uh, he talked about sort of like the the beginning of the project and um, how how basically how the kickoff went and like how uh, the process basically the process of doing a big responsive uh, redesign with a team of like 40 stakeholders and uh, you know he sort of went through the the ups and downs and pros and cons of stuff that we did right stuff that we did wrong and that was really interesting uh, uh, but I think for the, the, the purposes of the dear listener, uh, Brad's section, which came next, is probably even more interesting, where he talked about atomic design and walked everybody through the way that we used atomic design to, you know, gain trust and be able to do, you know, be building mm -hmm. something in, in the browser and have weekly meetings about it from the very beginning. Right. So, you know, immediately doing... Um, as soon as Jennifer started doing the information architecture, you know, he was immediately like, well, I know it's a big publication. I know we're going to have a header. I know we're going to have a footer. I know we're going to have nav. I know we're going to have pull quotes. I know we're going to have, you know, forms. I know we're going to have uh, discuss is going to be, you know, we know a ton of things before the information architecture is there. You just don't know where they're going to go. Right. But she can start, start blocking this stuff out. Yeah, exactly. And so, so he was using the original version of pattern lab that they had been putting together. And, um, uh, you know, he walked the crowd through like how that works and, and why it's cool and all that stuff. And we think we've talked about that, uh, in previous episodes at length. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did make a couple, uh, well, jumping ahead. So, so he went through, he went through that process and, you know, and then I jumped in and was like, okay, you know, I was the code monkey and the, I think the, it was interesting because the way that the, the way that the, the workflow, like everybody was always working. There was never like, you know, Jennifer finished, then Brad started and then Brad finished and then I started and then I finished. Like, right. Time, time was the same way. Yeah. You're always doing something. So like at the very beginning I had to, um, you know, Jennifer was slammed. Brad got busy pretty quick. I was not busy for a while. Um, while visual design, while Dan and Brad were sort of collaborating on the in Pattern Lab, but there was one thing at the very beginning that was good. We um, kind of did a uh, consultative phase where all the JavaScript people got together and mm -hmm. just just came to an agreement about kind of like the overarching principles of what we were going to do and like um, 
to the libraries we want to use. Yeah, so like right. So I I take yeah. Yeah, so I came in kind of like kind of like okay, I'm the one that's doing this, so I want to make sure that what I'm going to do is going to be right. cool with you guys. And right. so and I yeah. Yeah. It sounds similar to the process I took with time. Cool. I mean, because that's part of the design, right? It's like right. You know, my I came in at it with the whole. You know, my my main goal is speed. And in having the performance for the site be like as incredibly fast as possible. And I'm not going to do anything that's going to compromise speed unless you make me. So uh, that means that I'm not going to include any libraries that we're not using the crap out of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm going to write everything from scratch. Um, but then you have the conversation like, like, okay, that said, there are probably a couple of libraries we're going to use for sure. Like modernizer definitely going to use. Yeah. I pretty much use that on every project. There's no reason not to. Yeah, I've started like, to. Yeah, there's just no if you're gonna do if you're gonna feature sniff at all, you might as well because it's you can you can customize it to trim down to a teeny little size. You could paste it right into your page. It's like you don't doesn't necessarily require any HTTP overhead. It's like it's kind of a no brainer. And then the but the big discussion was around jQuery, and I think this is be interesting for for folks. Um, I was like, I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know about jQuery. Are we going to use jQuery or not? And they were like, uh, there was a, on the team, there were people who were like, no, we don't want to use it. Like the senior front end developers, like we don't want to use it. We want plain vanilla JavaScript. It's faster. And they were a little bit ivory tower about it. In my opinion though, even though I tend to agree with them. Mm -hmm. And then there are other people on the team who are just like, no, can we please use jQuery? I want to write all that junk. And so at the time I was like, I was like, oh, well, here's the thing. Like the reason not to use jQuery is less about, less about how you want to write your code and more about like, are you going to use it in my opinion? Because if you're going to use it, it's really useful. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, even something stupid, like trying to calculate the height of an element is brutally hard um, across all these different browsers if you don't. If you don't use, you know, you have to write a lot of code just to find out the height of a freaking div. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of that in the, all of these projects. So I was like, all right, you know, I could be convinced to use it. Um, and the conversations went along and I was like, and, you know, and right at that time, jQuery 2 was announced. And yeah. it had a builder stage. So you could, you could just use the, you could just like compile a version that just used the stuff you needed. So I was like, I was like, okay, that's a no brainer. We should probably use it for sure. Yeah. And then the last thing was, and then it ended up being like, um, since it was a WordPress site, they were like, oh, we have to include it anyway, because we're going to use some uh, WordPress plugins that require it. So (laughs) end end of story. Yeah. Same, same situation I was in like, well, we're going to use it anyway. So, yeah. So if you are going to use it, you might as well use it and and not repeat yourself. Cause I mean, frankly, it's a lot easier to find people who are capable of doing a perfectly fine job with jQuery that don't know how to write vanilla JavaScript. And I have no, I have no problem with that. Everyone's in a different place on the learning curve. Yeah. Uh, But so interesting side note was that um, we couldn't use jQuery two because it wasn't approved yet by, by automatic. Mm -hmm. We had to use 1.9 or 1.10 now. But I didn't realize this, but they, but automatic has like, uh, on their hosting, their hosted solutions, they don't, you can't just put anything you want in there. Like they, they enforce certain restrictions on like, 
um, what plugins you can use and, and what libraries you can use. Interesting. Yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah, I have I have feelings on that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. No, Me too. I'm not the one paying the bill, so who cares? <laughs> exactly. So whatever. All right. I mean, and, and it was like, it's like, I'm not really going to go to the mat f- to say like, okay, you know, we've got, we have to use jQuery 1.9, which has support yeah. all the way down to IE6. I'm not going to go to the mat about like, you know, 15K difference on a site that has like, m- like megabytes of photos on each photos page. Photos and videos. And so, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I, yeah. I was like, I'm going to get over it. I think you guys all should get over it. We're just going to use <laughs> yeah. jQuery. So... Uh, yeah, so I think that was, I did a little thing about like a couple of things I would do differently next time. Like the, the, um, we we're all working on this, on a dev branch and we'd merge into master when we want the client to see stuff. Mm-hmm. So basically there was a, a demo server for the client that had, um, that was a, equivalent to the master branch of in GitHub. And there was a testing server where we'd all do Q and a before the client meetings that was on, which was the dev branch in GitHub. Right. And, uh, that was a mistake. Well, I, I had a good reason for doing it, but it turned out to be, I didn't want, I didn't want to be the bottleneck for the, for pushing code to the QA server. I wanted anybody to be able to commit to dev and push it to GitHub and have it automatically update. So everybody knew mm-hmm. that was whatever was in GitHub was actually, that that was the same as what was on this website. Yeah. But we really should have, I should have had everybody fork and had them send pull requests to me and sort of eyeball the code as it came through. And then that would have solved two problems. Um, one being that there were a lot of Git noobs on the project and they, yeah. they, they did a great job getting up to speed, but there were a couple of really heinous, like, like train wrecks. Uh, yeah, we had the, the same thing on time in the beginning. I had to go in and fix the repo a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had one guy commit, just do a ton of commits on master locally, and then he pushed it, and like somehow it got all merged together, like, mm. and there was no way to undo it or back it out, so he had to remake them all. It was brutal. yeah, I, yeah, I remember you telling me about that, and in our case, I don't know that it was, I don't know if it was <clears throat> so much people not familiar with. With Git, as it was, I think it might have been some of the tools that they were using did weird things a couple of times because I know a lot of them were using graphical Git clients. I yeah. think some of them got weird a couple of times. Yeah, there's that too. So, folks, if you're not familiar with Git, you really, I mean, you're crazy. If you're writing code, whether it's markup or CSS or JavaScript, like, get familiar with Git. There's, there's like, I do, I have, the, I think, a screencast of basically Git for designers, like, intro to Git for designers, like, six yeah. commands even if you're not pushing to anywhere just just use it locally just so you have like undo you know yeah like even if you don't you don't branch <laughs> don't do anything just commit <laughs> yeah exactly yeah like when i first started when i first started using git i was pretty much developing by myself the whole time at that point mm-hmm. and until then i'd been like eh, i don't really need version control it's just me and then after about like an hour and a half of using it. I'm like, Oh my God, how did I survive without this? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I wish I had been using it when I wrote my last book. It would have been Mm -hmm. so perfect for a book. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. To think like, you know, and tell me if you've ever done this, you've, you come back to a project, whatever it is, website, book, whatever, anything that has like a lot of files and just like takes a long time. Yeah. I'd zip up the directory, 
and then go into the directory and keep working, keep working. Okay, done for the day, zip up the directory. And so that is how I used to like give myself history. Oh. What a nightmare. Yeah. Or rename. Okay. Version one, version two, version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or date the, or make copies of it and date the folders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, cause I, and I was trying to solve the problem that Git just like amazingly handles. Yeah. So anyway, so, um, so that was the, that was basically the talk. Um, I don't think, uh, yeah, maybe we should probably do an episode about the workshop, the sort of cross-platform perfection thing, but today's not the day for it. Yeah, we both have too much going on and too little sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one, of the, so just give you a segue, I was talking to Brad after the session, and I was like, you know, I feel like there's, uh, you know, I told him about um, BDP and mm-hmm. uh, browser design patterns, and, and I was like, and I was saying how you and I had been talking about the underlying, the, the key features underlying pattern lab like with the thing that it enables and so pattern lab i think pattern lab is he built it specifically for atomic design Mm -hmm. but there's a benefit there that's that has nothing to like you could you could you could just ignore that and just use it for like the client you know the working in the browser client thing it's like a, a way to manage a bunch of pages and like how you decide to build them up is almost irrelevant if you're like maybe you don't subscribe to the concept of atomic design like Stephen Hay was there and he knows his stuff and he was like he's like I don't buy it he goes yeah. client client only only understands pages and they're not, and even and it's true it's really hard to get them to um yeah it is you gotta really you gotta do a lot of song and dance to be like okay we're not looking at a page here we're just looking at you know or whatever uh with things like style tiles and element collages uh it's it's tough but you, it's, it's a hard sell. Yes. But you want to get them, you just got to get away from comps. The thing you have to do is get them in the browser. And how you decide to design in the browser is totally, you know, you could be atomic, you know, bottom up, or it could be top down, either way. But um, I feel like I feel like Pattern Lab's really prescriptive about it. And it wants you to be, it enforces this, like, encourages you to do atomic design. It's geared mm-hmm. toward that. Yeah. So I was saying <clears throat> that to him and like, um, uh, just like you know, I th- I think there's some underlying principles here that are not necessarily atomic design that are interesting to kind of tease out, and and there should be a million of these little pattern lab type tools that allow people to design in the browser more easily. Right, that are specifically geared toward designing in the browser, not necessarily atomic design in the browser. Exactly, and he's he brought up. Um, he said, "Well, he goes, he goes, yeah. There's not a lot of tools out there. The only one I can think of that's even similar is." Assemble IO. Ah, <laughs> yes. So he, he is aware of it. So I guess the, that is the um, uh, that is the only other one. And you, and you had told me last week that you came across it and were like, oh my God, I love this. I, I came across it and I fell in love in about 30 seconds. Like, oh my God, like Jekyll is dead to me <laughs> for static site generators. <laughs> so, so before, Let's like uh, put that in context. You're not a huge Jekyll fan, anyway, though, right? I mean, um, I, I have used it, and I do not dislike it, but I'm not like a Jekyll cheerleader or anything. Is is okay? So just so everyone knows, because I don't know either. I, my impression is that Jekyll is is a way to take Markdown, a bunch of Markdown files, and convert it into a static site. I 
it can do markdown, yes. Okay. So it's yes. and so yeah, yeah, Jekyll is a a static site generator in Ruby and it's it's actually it's what powers uh, GitHub pages. Hmm. That's where I thought about that's probably why I thought yeah, it was markdown. So. And you can do that. You can do markdown in it. So what do you do? Write a bunch of files in a config document and just like run it and boom yeah you just you know you, you've got templates and and just the 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 usual the usual type stuff and you can make your your html pages and you can have dyna- dynamic bits that get parsed when you compile into from from config file or from config or markdown or that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but yeah and then jekyll spits out your your static pages cool so and this does assemble does something similar but it sounds a little bit more it's it's similar, but just the a lot more of how you the the way you structure your site is you have a lot more control over it. Hmm. And um, in terms of like directory structure, that kind of thing. Okay. So <laughs> like, what's the what are the like key features that you'd say? Uh, the key features um, you control everything, all of your assemble. I/O settings and, and variables config and all that you can control uh, through your Grunt file. Uses Grunt. Mm-hmm. Um, assemble Assemble I/O is Node.js or yeah, okay. Node. Um, so you, you npm install Assemble yeah. and it works yeah. and it needs Grunt as a dependency. Yeah, well, you can just you know if you you have Grunt installed and then you just you have your your package package.json there with your uh, assemble IO and all your other dependencies in it and you can just npm install and it, it does all of it sweet and then so like what do you do like what's the workflow uh, the workflow is basically you set up uh, a configuration directory where you put all your config files and um, the way I'm doing it is I'm, I'm set, I've got my config directory I've got a directory set up for basically different types of content and then you create your your templates and again, you can. There's some some flexibility in, in structuring things there. And yeah, you can just you can include different templates. You can include different blocks of, of content that'll parse it into the templates as it compiles. And um, you can you can use either either JSON, YAML, or Markdown, and any com- any combination thereof. Mm-hmm. So what I was doing was things like I, uh, you know, I had a big a big JSON file for things like global navigation and, and settings and things, you know, like the like the main site title and, and that kind of stuff. And then for individual content blocks, I'd use Markdown files. Okay, and then how do you how do you do stuff like? I'm curious how you do something like, um, or how like how much it adds. So like for example, let's say. Um, you you need you want to highlight the active tabs. You've got top tab navigation mm-hmm. for like you know, like speaking engagements and books and about me and all that stuff. Like, how do you customize that? Customize that. You yeah. can either you can either set the variable. You could do it. You could do it in a in a JSON file, or you could do it at the top um, as as YAML at the top of your template, or uh, you know, or, or something like that. But yeah, it uses um, the templating language that it uses is handlebars. Okay. So, so similar just, to mustache, but yeah, a little bit more. Sim- similar, but a little bit more. 
yeah, so you, you can create you know create your templates, your HTML templates that way, mm-hmm. and then it just pulls in pulls in the variables from either either setting them locally in at the at the top of your template file or in another file that you're that you're pulling in and parsing. Okay, so like, is there and could that other file potentially be a connection to a database or is it like how does it in terms of I mean, is this purely for sites that are not dynamic at all? Um, well, it generates it generates static HTML output. So, but I mean, are you talking about like? Well, let's say I have. Could you have? Could you have data in a database and then run the build script and create? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, like, let's say I've got a, a growing that's... list of testimonials in my database, and I want to recompile the site so all the new ones are in there. If you can, if you can pull it out as a JSON feed that you can then load into. Like if you can if you can somehow pull that out into a JSON feed, that's either you know, it either lives on the file system or dynamically you know like like for instance if you had a for instance if you had a, a JSON file that was actually executing PHP that was pulling info from the database and, yeah. and just setting a JSON MIME type or something yeah like file get contents yeah that'd be cool that's that's pretty cool. And then the nice thing about having a static site like that is it's like, boom, you can put it right on. You could host it on S3 for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. You could host it anywhere. That's pretty sweet. Like, like for my personal site, that would work great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about redoing my site with it. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got a little thing I've started just kind of as an example and, and maybe ways to use it for some sort of, some kind of BDP. Mm-hmm. Type implementation. Um, I've got it up on GitHub. It's it's not public at the moment, but I can just because there's not everything there that I want to have there yet. But right. hopefully by the next ep- by the next episode it will be. And so, what's the concept there? So, like like so t- to make a a quick way for you to mash up content and individual elements into like a a live. Yeah, just to just to kind of decide on the sort of. Because there is a, there is a lot of flexibility with Assemble IO, and so I'm just kind of playing around just to kind of decide on the the, the way that I personally want to to put it all together mm-hmm. and, and make it work. Mm. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I think I added you to the GitHub repo. Probably, I've been I've been like triaging email like a madman. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's not from President Obama, I don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's that's actually a complete lie because I get plenty of email from the White House and I don't read it at all. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, Today's I've been, tri- I've been triaging two dudes. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Yeah, I was I was starting starting to get a handle on it until you came back. <laughs> yeah, there's it's 20, 25, the 25 unassigned to dos. I'm gonna crack the whip once this thing's out the door. I don't know who's as making who's making unassigned to dos. Not me. No, not you. I know that. I so, know who's doing it. <laughs> yeah. They'll be hell to pay. Yep. Hey, you know why those two dudes didn't get done? You didn't it, assign it, them to anyone. Assign them. <laughs> I only look at the ones assigned to me because there's so many in there. <laughs> yeah, there's like a hundred. So anyway. Um, so cool. I, I am super stoked about this. It has It's like ticks all the boxes. If you're excited about it, I'm excited about it yeah. in general. So. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, speaking of things I'm excited about, thank you very much for, for the wonderful birthday present. Oh, you're welcome. 
Yeah. Did you want to like very, very cool watch? I don't know if we talked about it on the show. I feel like we I think we did. did. Yeah. Did I don't know. I don't think we did. I don't know. We talk about watches so much. It's hard to tell. This is not a smart this is not watch. A smart watch. Although it is pretty intelligently designed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, what's it called? E one or something? Uh, I, I yeah, E one. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's like this watch. You can feel what time it is instead yeah. of having to look. The models like the Brad, e, like the Bradley, and E one is the company or something like that. Yeah, but, something like that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes if anybody wants to check out like an extremely cool watch. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. It's better than the the chunk keyboard I sent last time. <laughs> that was not your fault. If that had if that had been as advertised, it would have been awesome. Yeah. Oh well. You want some, you lose some. Um, I did want to uh, up. I think I, I meant to do this in housekeeping, but we were sort of yes. sliding right into the content. The um, uh, MSP or Modernizer Server Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I that was a foc- a big focal point of my workshop yesterday or the day before, and it, since the time we talked about it last, there have been some interesting things that have cropped up when using it that would be worth mentioning if anybody had been playing around with it. Yes. Uh, in particular, that the the approach. Well, if you go to the GitHub repo, there's like eight or 10 variations on the theme, uh, different ways that I, I could imagine it being useful. I couldn't really decide on one. So I just left them all up there. But the concept is that you want to use, you want to know the stuff that modernizer knows on the front end, but you want to know them on the server side. So you can send down like different size images or something. And, and, uh, it, it, requires a refresh or a redirect depending on how you do it which is distasteful but it allows you to optimize the code so much on the back end or it it, it should yeah. allow you to optimize the code so much on the server side that it ends up being a net win yeah and that's just for the first request after that it's a huge win so um yeah and couldn't well no never mind i'm an idiot mm. Yeah. Right, go ahead. I, so, I'm I'm trying to think of a way that you can set a set a variable to avoid having to do that refresh on return visit, visits, but that you'd have to either store it in a in a database or have some kind of. Yeah. Well, one of the things one of the things one of the options up there is an example a PHP example that stores the cookie in a session after yeah. the first load, so you're not passing the cookie back and forth every time. Yeah. Because it's pretty it's pretty pretty full size cookie. It's a jumbo cookie. Mm, giant cookie. <laughs> so um but so that i think we talked about that before and if people want to go to github and check it out uh, i'll link to it in the show notes yeah but um uh, one of the things that happens of course is that the first time a user agent requests the page it serves up a you know phony page or not the page you requested because it's gonna it's gonna set a cookie and then refresh the page to show the one you originally wanted or redirect (laughs) you back to the one depending on how you do it and so that uh, that is a problem for uh, like SEO or robots.txt. Like if someone's gonna, if Google's gonna crawl your site, they're always gonna get the no JavaScript, no cookies one instead of the page that you want. So you yeah. have to do some special uh, handling to check and say, hey, is this a Googlebot or is it a regular person? Yeah, uh, or as we found out, is it Facebook? That was the other one. So So when you go to Facebook and you share a link in Facebook, it does a uh, their server does a query behind the scenes to the 
URL that you're sharing and it looks for the open graph tags and it pulls some other stuff out of the out of the page that you're sharing. If you're doing a redirect or including the um, including the page right in line, it's returning the wrong HTML f- from what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never going to do that re- redirect. It's never going to do the refresh. So yeah. you end up with like, uh, it looks like it's not working. So you have to sniff yeah, for that. that, <laughs> that was hard. That was hard to track down. Yeah. I mean, you saved the day when you found that developer page that does <laughs> the testing thing. So, so if you are using MSP, then you probably want to watch out for that. Um, Make, you know, check for your bots first and, 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 and skip the modernizer server on bots. Yes. And the, I mean, the other way to do it is, is to just let that first page load not mm-hmm. be optimized and set the cookie on your regular pages, you know, and just not do the redirect. But that means that the uh, initial page load is you're going to be, you know, sending down stuff that you're not sure, for example, yeah. what the pixel ratio is in the screen. So you just have to send down like probably, well, you're either going to send down the lowest common denominator version, or you're going to send down the the most polished version. And then once you've done that, the cookie is set. And next time they navigate anywhere on your site, then all you know, then you can send down the optimized stuff. So there's like there's about a hundred ways you could skin the cat. The idea is to just use Modernizer to inform your server side code. Okay. So, anything else? Um, I don't think so. All right, cool. It's been, yeah, God, it's been a, a long week. Yeah, it's not over yet. <laughs> I know. I'm going to be busy this weekend. Yeah. All right, folks, that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye.